Fanagraphs Audio, I'm Carson Sestouli, and I'm joined this week, uh, after a couple weeks of um, absence from him, not from his uh, excellent segments, though, uh, by the curator of our Q&A series, David Lorla. David, are you there? Carson, I am very much here this week. <laughs> you are here, yeah. Uh, well, uh, due to some uh, sort of vacation situations, you haven't been around, but here you are, and you've provided us uh, once again with some stellar audio. Well, the, the audio may be stellar, Carson, but it would be stellar because I'm talking to one of the best broadcasters in baseball. And when you talk to the best broadcasters in baseball, the audio is, by default, stellar. Yeah, it is. Well, um, we were talking a little bit uh, before we started recording here about uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's insecurity that you feel, but you feel like maybe you, even as a, an experienced and entirely professional interviewer, you feel at a bit of disadvantage uh, so far as eloquence is concerned when you talk with broadcasters. Well, Carson, I don't do a whole lot of audio as, as a rule, so when I talk to you, I feel cowed. But, but you know, seriously, when you talk to Jerry Haworth, he has been been speaking on the air 160 odd times a, a, a season, you know, for 30 plus years. So certainly, I I am cowed if if we were to go in and face a. Uh, you know, a Jamie Moyer curveball, that would be intimidating because that's what he does and it is not what we do. Right. Yeah, and uh, but but you uh, you extract from Jerry Howarth, <laughs> not painfully, that makes it sound painful, uh, you elicit from him, I should say, uh, some, some, I guess, interesting memories. Um, he grew up a Giants fan, we'll learn. No, he did, uh, which I thought was worth talking San Francisco Giants a bit. You don't have to automatically talk... You know, Toronto Blue Jays with, with Jerry, just like you wouldn't have to talk Texas Rangers with Eric Nadell or, you know, Tigers with, with Dan Dickerson because, you know, they're all baseball fans. They all know the game, game very well. So we did start with that. And then we did talk a, a lot of Blue Jays. And, um, I, I don't think I can overstate how important Jerry Haworth is to the entire Ontario market because, I mean, he has been there forever. He broadcast with Tom Cheek, another legend, the late Tom Cheek, for a long time. So much as I grew up in Michigan listening to Ernie Harwell, it's just for fans in Toronto, baseball was just not baseball without uh, people like Jerry Haworth. Now, here's a question. You, you ask uh, Jerry Haworth about some players who, uh, I guess, either are not in the Hall of Fame, well, predominantly who are not in the Hall of Fame, but maybe who deserve to be or, or whether they deserve to be. Uh, Howarth mentions two players that will sort of serve as lightning rods or maybe anti-lightning rods, as the case may be, for the sabermetric set. Uh, and, of course, that's uh, former starting pitcher Jack Morse on the one hand. And then I, I think he also maybe advocates uh, on behalf of Joe Carter, uh, specifically citing Carter's ability you know, uh, as a home run and RBI man. I'm curious for you as someone who's, you know, you, you enter these as a, at some level as a sabermetric-minded interviewer, but, of course, you're also looking to get, uh, you know, to, to develop a narrative even in a short amount of time. I'm curious for you how, how you feel about that, how you feel a broadcaster feeling feeling like that. Well, I believe that, that Jerry Haworth actually did not say that Carter should be in the Hall of Fame. He mentioned him as being perhaps the most underappreciated Blue Jay, and perhaps he should, he should merit consideration for the Hall of Fame. He does believe Morris should be in. I do not. 
I also did not believe that Jim Rice, who was one of my favorite players growing up, should be in. But I don't mind this. I don't mind that a broadcaster has those opinions or that he is not especially new age, sabermetrically savvy. I was talking to White Sox broadcaster Darren Jackson at Fenway just a couple days ago, and he's pretty knowledgeable about uh, about sabermetrics, but he told me he really doesn't like to use a lot on the air, so he doesn't really want to overwhelm the viewers with a lot of the numbers. He said that on TV where you can show graphics, maybe that's a little bit easier, but I really do buy his 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 logic there. You know, Jerry Haworth has always talked about his job being to take a blank canvas every day and paint the picture of what's going on on the baseball field. And I think ultimately for the listener, that is more important than getting a lot of the than the stats. I think that you can go to Fangraphs for stats. You can go to a lot of places for stats. And I don't really think you do need them in a broadcast as much as uh, some other people may. Now, you talk about uh, uh, sort of painting a picture of what's going on on the baseball field. We know you spend a, quite a bit of your time at Fenway. You're going to Fenway tonight, and we're recording this on Wednesday, I should note. You're going to Fenway tonight, and uh, something strange, strange-ish, I should say, will be happening on the baseball field there. Well, it will not be the Red Sox losing another game, um, <laughs> although I guess that would not be, be strange at all this season. I'm going to see the uh, Fenway Sports Group-owned um, Liverpool soccer team play um, an exhibition, a friendly, if you may, against uh, AS Roma, and that should be fantastic. It's it's a great great venue, I think, much as there are, are periodically concerts at Fenway Park, the Rolling Stones or Pink Floyd, I think, played there recently. I saw Paul McCartney there. It's just it's a great venue. It's it's a different way to see. Of a big event, so I'm uh, I'm very excited about this. Right, and I believe uh, American International uh, midfielder Michael Bradley is now a member of AS Roma. He is. I have not seen the lineups. I assume he is playing this evening, but uh, that remains to be seen. It's a few hours away, and um, that said, Carson, why don't we cut to the chase and uh, jump back to hearing uh, about baseball uh, via Jerry Haworth. Yeah, let's do that. That is David Lorla, and I'm Carson Stooley, and what follows is David Lorla's excellent audio presentation with Toronto Blue Jays radio announcer, Jerry Haworth. Jerry, long before you became a broadcaster, you grew up loving baseball and loving the San Francisco Giants. I certainly did, David. My dad took me to my first game when I was probably about 8, 9, 10 years old, and it was at Seals Stadium to watch the AAA San Francisco Seals. And then in 1958, I caught a break, as did everybody on the West Coast when the Giants and Dodgers moved out from New York. And in 58, I saw my first Giants game with my father. They were there at Seal Stadium again for two years, 58 and 59. I'll never forget in 59, my dad and I were going to a day game, and lo and behold, they call up this kid from Phoenix, or AAA team, Willie McCovey, and he goes four for four. That day hit all three walls with two singles, two triples. Eighth player at that time to do that in his Major League debut, and that kind of developed a passion and love for me for baseball. I was 12 years old, and I really enjoyed it. And 50-plus years later... The Giants are, are still an interesting team. They're still a team you follow. What do you like about the current Giants? 
Well, they're pitching. And somebody asked me the other day, who do you think will reach the World Series? And I said the Giants and the Texas Rangers. That'd be a great rematch from two years ago. But look at Tim Lincecum. He's statistically not had a great year, but look what he's done here recently to help that team. Matt Cain, a, a perfect game. The Giants pitching is outstanding, and that's what's going to carry the day in any playoff structure. So I, I like the Giants. I like what they do. They play before sold-out crowds every day, and that was their first San Francisco World Series championship two years ago, and I, I think they've got a good shot for another one. How important is it for the game of baseball to have players like Tim Lincecum and Pedro Sandoval who bring more than just baseball talent? Well, they're personalities, and they're great for the fans that way, too. And uh, for Sandoval, he's been hurt, but once he gets back in the lineup, you can see his presence felt. But the Giants are just a good organization. They're well-run. They always have been. And I'll tell you, David, when you're playing before 40,000 a night, as they do at AT&T Park, it's much akin to 92-3 and three when the Blue Jays play before 50,000 every night. That energizes you. That makes you better. Good teams become better. They go to the playoffs. There's some momentum right there. and It's fun to watch. And from Mays and McCovey and Marichal all the way through the current group, wow, it's, uh, it's been great for me as a kid to watch and follow and continue to follow. You had an opportunity as a young man to watch uh, Willie Mays play. As an older gentleman, you had an opportunity to watch Barry Bonds play. He's obviously a pretty controversial figure in baseball. Well, what I have to say about Barry Bonds, and I would say the same thing about Mark McGuire, when you start to hit 70 and 73 home runs, relatively speaking, like McGuire and Bonds, it takes away some of the luster from what they did. Uh, I'm not accusing either of them, although McGuire has said he used performance-enhancing drugs. I'm going to assume that Barry did, too, for what he did and the 762 home runs. So for me, I put them in a different class than players who, in my opinion, did not resort to that. And as a result, Father Time caught up with them in their late 30s. That wasn't the case with Barry Bonds. Once again, I'm talking to Jerry Haworth. Jerry, we're talking on Hall of Fame Induction Day. Ron Santo and Barry Larkin are going in the Hall today. Yeah, very deserved. And for Ron Santo, it's too bad. He should have gone in years ago when he was still alive. But with the diabetes and all he went through, not only uh, as a broadcaster, but at the end not going into the Hall of Fame, it's really a shame. But I'm glad he's in. It, it was well worth the wait for his family, I'm sure. Beloved there in Chicago. And he, he did everything he could to become a Hall of Famer. And there aren't too many third basemen. I think that's the one position on the field where you have the fewest Hall of Famers in Cooperstown. And Barry Larkin, what a career in Cincinnati. And you can't say enough about him on and off the field, what he's contributed to baseball. Ron Santo, of course, had the long broadcasting career. Should broadcasters have a Hall of Fame vote? No, no, I think it's fine the way it is. I think the writers, and there are many of them who have covered baseball, I think you have to have a vote. You have to have covered baseball for more than 10 years. So they're, they're very knowledgeable, thorough. They've been in the game for a long, long time. No, I think the broadcasters are fine just trying to prepare for each game and pull that off. That's enough. Barry Larkin is going in the Hall of Fame today. Alan Trammell, in the opinion of many players, was as good as Barry Larkin. Well, for me, there were two Hall of Famers up the middle of the diamond for Detroit, Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker. I thought they should have gone in together. Uh, I thought that was a little miscarriage of justice right there. Nothing away from Trammell going in on his own. He's a well-deserved shortstop, for sure. But I thought Lou should have gone, too. But that's just my own personal opinion. Jack Morris, I believe, is a Hall of Famer. It took Burt for 11, 15 years. My goodness, uh, so sometimes you do have to question the, the, the writers and their voting, but uh, at that particular point, uh, again, I don't have an issue with it because I'm happy just doing my games as a broadcaster. What about Tim Raines? 
Well, Tim Raines is a Hall of Famer, no question about that. With all he did and his years in Montreal and the player he was, the base stealer, Tim Raines for me is a Hall of Famer. And when you start to look at finally people getting in like Jim Rice and Andre Dawson, Tim Raines is in that category too as someone who finally got in and hopefully he will someday. Who else is on your short list of people who should be in the Hall and are not yet there? Well, I think right now the, the short list for me is Jack Morris. I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Burt Blylevin was on that list. I'd have to probably look around a little bit more consciously if I had a vote to see who I thought deserved it. But I think Jack Morris is the next one who certainly should go in. Okay, a couple more uh, quick questions for Jerry Haworth. As the music gets a little bit too loud here at Fenway Park. Or me. <laughs> Uh, who are the best Toronto Blue Jays players not in the Hall of Fame? Well, Dave Steve, let's start right off with that, and Roy Halladay. I think Roy Halladay will go to the Hall of Fame once he retires and has five years with that layway there before you are eligible to go in. So for me, Roy Halladay will become the second Blue Jay ever to go in with Roberto Alomar. But not Hall of Famers, but still very, very, very good. Dave Steve, a seven-time All-Star. He was really the foundation of that team. I like Joe Carter, too. I thought Joe, not a Hall of Famer, but for 10 years dominated with home runs and RBIs, much like Jack Morris did. Jack probably had a little more distinguished career, a longer career, and in the playoffs, too. But I think Carter would be one of those. John Olerud had a wonderful career, maybe not a Hall of Famer. But I'll tell you another Hall of Famer to me who should be in, no matter how long it takes, is Tony Fernandez. He was tremendous uh, on the field, contributing to the Blue Jays four different times, helping them win the 93 World Series. Those are probably the headliners that kind of come to mind for me in the long run. Jose Bautista is, will probably never go in the Hall of Fame, but just how good of a player is he as we speak? Well, for me, since he arrived on the scene, and when he did arrive on the scene, I thought the best leader in the Blue Jays clubhouse was Dave Winfield. He was only a Blue Jay for one year. That was in 1992, helped them win their first World Series. But now it's very clear the best leader of all time in franchise history is Jose on and off the field. Leadership, discipline, preparedness, let alone what he can do on the field with his bat and in the field. I think a gold glove is long overdue for him. Two years in a row, he's had the major leagues and home runs, and this year probably would have and still might, even though he's serving time on the disabled list as we do this interview. He's just been fantastic. I can't say enough about him for the man he is, let alone the player. When you look back at your childhood heroes uh, on the San Francisco Giants, do any of them remind you of Batista, or does Batista remind you of any of them? You know, I'd have to say in the long run, that's a very good question. Roberto Clemente. When I used to go to Giants games and watch Pittsburgh, because my dad grew up in Pittsburgh, and I used to go to games with my dad and his father, my grandfather, we'd watch Clemente. Jose has the defensive skills of Roberto, arm, arm strength, accuracy, low throws that always hit cutoff men and throw people out at second, third, and home. And he can hit, cover the plate. And even though Roberto's a Hall of Famer, I would say that Jose Bautista is pretty close to what Roberto Clemente did in an entire career. High praise from Jerry Haworth. Jerry, one final question. The Blue Jays right now are near the bottom of the American League East. I guess they are literally at the bottom, right below the Red Sox now. Does this team have the talent to contend by season's end? Not this year because of the injuries. This would have been a team that was prepared to win 85 to 90 games, but in four days they lost three starters. Brandon Morrow is still not back. 
Kyle Drabick undergoing a second Tommy John surgery, and young 21-year-old Drew Hutchison, who's not going to pitch the rest of the year. Two weeks into the season, they lost their closer when they traded for Sergio Santos with the White Sox, who last year was 30 of 36 saving games, 92 strikeouts, 60 innings. No, you can't win and go to the playoffs with those kind of injuries. Bautista injured, that's not nearly as significant as those pitchers. And Jerry Howarth, as always, it's great to sit down and talk baseball with you. All right, thank you, David. Enjoy it. Too.